I didn't know what to think. I mean, who would? I thought, God? Aliens? Some kind of miracle? But this... Oh, man, this is a miracle. <clears throat> Danny, <clears throat> about the act. Forget the act. I'll expand it. Lose the revolver. I need something bigger. More spectacular. Maybe a cannon. I think we might be having a little communication problem here. No, no, I, I get it. I mean, ever since the truck hit me, I thought, this can't last. One day it's going to end. Bang! I won't get up. But if it lasts forever, I can do any trick, anything, and I won't die. I hold in my hand a high-powered weapon. Welcome to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where each and every Ooh. week we talk about another facet of the Highlander universe. I'm one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. And this is Eamon. Put your weapon away, Keith. No one wants to see that. No weapons during podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. It's just so high-powered. Yeah. More dicks. I have a license. Oh, do you? Mm-hmm. They're licensing dicks now. That's right. What kind of fascist state is this, man? I got a license to dick. So, this week we are going to be talking about Highlander of the Series. We're back in the, the saddle again. Back where a friend is a friend. Though I guess back for us, not for the listeners, because you've just heard two episodes in a row of us covering the series. And yeah, but for... It seems yeah. like we're just <laughs> plugging along, but this is like a month later, so... The Amortal Chimoli! So we're talking Chimoli. about Season 4, Episode 17, The Immortal Chimoli. But before we dive into this episode, we're going to revisit the old Highlander catalog... This week, we're taking a look at the best of Highlander catalog. Ooh, our favorite. Be best. We still be best. Did you know that she's the most bullied person in the whole world? I really don't care. Do you? (laughs) 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 Holy shit. Nice. All right, so we got a lengthy description here. Oh, buckle up. Okay, so I'm going to be reading you a description for a Highlander leather coat. And so it says at the top. Is the coat or a duster? I guess it's, well, it's a duster, I guess. What's the, I mean, I feel like it's a duster. Duster's a specific kind of coat. It's a long coat. Okay. We can good. all agree it's a long coat. <laughs> it's a long coat. How long? If you, had to, if you had to guess. Almost ankle. Is it as long as your dangerous weapon? All right. So it doesn't actually give, like, it doesn't say what this product is. But at the top, it says, simply the best. Cla- <laughs> Ooh, simply the best. Classic style for a classic collection. Hmm. Duncan McLeod quashed the notion that in order for an immortal to conceal his blade... He had to look like he pilfered Columbo's closet. Ooh, taking a shot at Connor. Yeah, because Connor does look like shit. (laughs) Just one more question. One more question. (laughs) Using his impeccable sense of style and love for beautiful all-natural fabrics. (laughs) What? That's what I'm always saying about Duncan. Yeah. He masterfully blended function with form and made the long coat a fashionable staple of the immortal wardrobe. Wait a minute. This is like Duncan McLeod trendsetter. Immortal trendsetter. All right. What the fuck? <laughs> well, he has that love of natural fibers. Suck a dick, Connor. <laughs> uh, today, as you know, it reigns as the quintessential garment of the Immortals. Immortals is with a capital I, by the way, every time it's appeared. Hmm. Immortals TM. Our limited edition best of Highlander leather coat pays tribute to this extraordinary symbol. 
What? Crafted of the richest tooled leather available. <laughs> oh my god. The richest... That's quite, that's quite no. the qualifier. This is that's this is no this is like justifiably. <laughs> Well, this feels it's like, well, all right, this is not that great of leather, but, leather, it's, but it's the yeah, best we Out of have the available. ones we had, yep, it's good. It features a wealth of subtle detailing that takes this supreme icon to a whole new dimension. Can you have a wealth of subtlety? <laughs> no. <laughs> then it's no longer subtle. Yeah. Uh, to a whole new dimension of elegance. Snap bottom front with storm flap overlay. Adjustable snap button <laughs> tab cuffs and back pleat. Expertly stitched detail piercing on arms, generous flap, closure patch pockets, and durable nylon lining. I've it's often, not over, by no, the way. God. I've often been told I have generous flaps. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Just 500 of these museum quality. <laughs> Come on. This is gilding the lily. Museum quality best of Highlander limited edition coats will be produced, and each will boast a specially designed inside breast pocket best of Highlander collector's label. So it does say best of Highlander on it. Hmm. And a signed certificate of authenticity. Already a unique and rare collector's item. This is a garment of unsurpassed quality and consummate. Highlander attitude. Oh, I can't even read. And consummate Highlander attitude. Who's who's signing the certificate? I hope Bill Pants. Museums yeah. Unlimited, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> to own one is to truly own a piece of the legend. Sizes small, medium, large, extra large, extra, extra large, and extra, extra, extra large. They're but only one price. Size. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to play uh, not prices right, but you're going to try to guess the cost of this coat. As close as possible. Close as possible. So it doesn't matter if you go over. I'm gonna I'm gonna cover the prices here. Uh, you, you guys see can this peek. Yeah, here you go. Wow. It, I mean, it's a handsome coat. I was just gonna say it's kind of unremarkable. Yeah. I mean, it's a black leather coat. Yeah, it's just like on a hanger. They don't. Like I like the. I like his way. like wool coat a lot better than this or whatever it's made of. Yeah. Not the leather one. Eh. Yeah. Mm. I don't like a leather coat. I like that hanger though. Is that the best of Hanglander? <laughs> <laughs> best of hangers. <laughs> Uh, Hanglander. Kyle, I want you to guess the price first. because I, I, I think like... it's probably my turn yeah. to do so. So I'm going to guess that if this is museum quality, that they are not selling this for less than $299. $299, are you out of your mind? Amen. Probably. Is it more or less? I'm going to guess that this coat costs... $500. $500 for Eamon. $299 from Kyle. Why don't you just get this 300 I don't know. <laughs> I just said a curiosity. I He's just even framed a, I it just, for you. Do you want to say guess more or less? I just get a five hundred for some reason. Do it. I like it. So the simply the best classic style for a classic simply collection. Simply the best. Man, oh, One of man. only five hundred. This oh. item oh, costs. Oh, that's where I got five hundred. Four hundred and ninety-five dollars. Holy shit! So you nailed it, Amy. You crushed Damn. me. That's a lot of money. Can I see that for yeah, a second? Yeah, you can. I mean, I'd hope that it's like. Legi- we're, I mean, we're like underestimating the certificate of authenticity. True. Hey, if you're a listener out there that had this coat, let us know. Like, coats are expensive, right? They like a leather coat. Expensive. Like, so I can get it. Might be five hundred dollars. And this is the richest leather that was available. That's true. <laughs> Expertly tooled. So points are taken off for this description because they don't call it a final dimension of elegance, just a new dimension. Just a new dimension. I haven't yeah. seen that movie. New Boo. dimension. The new dimension. Care Bears. The new dimension. Isn't that the sequel? What? 
with the lion care bear. Oh, I don't know. Do you remember that? (laughs) Was it Star Trek The New Frontier? Yeah, Star Trek The New Frontier. The New Dimension. New Dimension. It's my favorite dimension. The New Dimension. Well, there we go. How about that? Nice work, Eamon. Clean it up. Thank you. Cleaning up. (laughs) Oh, boy. We're not talking about Queen anymore. Nope, we've moved on. We've moved on almost a month ago. Yeah. It's been a while since we talked about Queen. How it are is. they doing? Yeah. I bet, that, I bet that movie's out of theaters by now. It might be. On VOD? I hear it's doing very good at the box office. It is actually it doing might, all right. it, it might be. Yeah. yeah. It's or it was. Okay. <laughs> yeah, what was the makeup of yeah, people? Until we destroyed it. What was yeah. the makeup of people in that auditorium? Old. Old. <laughs> I thought it's the same thing. Well, also, we did see a movie before noon. That is true. So, lest we forget. All right, Never this forget. week we're talking about season... The Immortal Chimoli! Chimoli. Right. Season 4, episode 17, The Immortal Chimoli. This episode was first aired April 29th, 1996. Who directed this? Yes, LeFay. Yes, LeFay. Yes, yes, Queen <laughs> yeah. This is his first time as an Highlander director. He did a lot of work as a French cinematographer since the early 70s. Uh, this is the third thing and the last thing he ever directed. Oh, dear. Yeah. My oh my. Uh, and this is also the only Highlander thing he ever did. Mm. So one and done. He hit it and he quit it. That's right. This was written by two different people. The teleplay was written by Scott Peters. This is his second of three Highlander episodes. What was number one? The first was Reluctant Heroes uh, from this season. Yeah. yeah. I mean, with our series villain, Markham. Yes. <laughs> Markham. Yeah. I actually thought about this when writing the notes. I was like, he's the worst bad guy so far. Yeah. <laughs> More recently, he wrote for the V Reboot. That the was V-boot? on a couple, V-Boot, that's right. Which is also funny because David Abramowitz worked on that show, the mm. original. But he also did some Animorphs episodes and Are You yeah. Afraid of the Dark? I always like to read these kind of like kid show IMDb things, so I went back and grabbed an Animorph episode description. This episode was called On the Run, and this guy, Scott Peters, wrote this. This is the description. The Andalite disc is still lost, and the Yerks wish to barter for it. They will trade the disc for Andalite. Jake and Marco trick a controller into catch, capturing an actual animal. And think they've gotten away with the disc clean. Meanwhile, the sharing moves forward with its plans to harvest more controllers. And the compromise over the disc turns out to be a trap. Hopefully the Animorphs will be able to outsmart the controllers. What? The what? F- what? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know I guess, what that show is about at that all. That might as well be in another language. <laughs> I guess I've forgotten a lot about Animorphs. Yeah, I kind of don't remember any plots at all. Everybody bought this because of the covers, right? Sure. <laughs> it's like there's a little jerk turning into a marmot. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah. I need to have that. Oh, even if it's just that kid who's stuck in the body of a falcon like a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so he wrote the teleplay. But who wrote the story? This was written by Sophie Decroze. Decroze. I don't know. Maybe. Um, blue. Oh, the very first thing she wrote was an episode of Highlander the Animated Series. Yes. Ooh. And this, this feels like... Yeah, and this is the Highlander. fourth thing she wrote. And it's the only Highlander episode she did. And I was checking out her IMDb. It's fucking all over the place. She wrote for a show called Sherlock Yak. Which was I'm a, sorry, what? Sherlock Yak, which was a Sherlock Holmes cartoon, but... He's a yak? He's a yak. Why of all animals, to make him, he's a yak? I don't know. That's really weird. It's very weird. Is Sher- it? And the show is called Sherlock Yak. Like, <laughs> That's not even a good pun. No. That's terrible. Is it a pun? I don't know. <laughs> it's what you do it's after no you great watch mouse it. Detective. Yeah. You yak. You yak. Yeah. Hey, I watched this dumb cartoon. <laughs> I'm yakking over here. 
<laughs> Super weird. All right, we got some guest stars in this episode. We have Elizabeth Grayson. She's back as Amanda. Or she's not the Italian mother in this one. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> she plays a, a dual makeup. role. <laughs> I got confused. Yeah. This is the prequel to Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Elizabeth Grayson relaunched her website recently. So if you're interested in what Elizabeth Grayson is up to, make sure to go to flapperpress.com and check out all the good stuff they're posting on their blog. This episode also guest stars Crispin Bonham Carter as Danny Chamoli. And he is the third cousin of Helena Bonham, Helena Bonham, Bonham Carter. Carter. Is that true? That is true. Holy moly. Uh, his first role. Holy Chamoli. <laughs> Holy Chamoli. <laughs> his first role was in Howard's End with Anthony. Anthony. Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> I'm yakking over here, Sherlock. Uh, and he's done a bunch of TV guest spots. And I also wrote down that he was in Casino Royale as, quote, Hot Room Doctors? Hot room doctor. What does that mean? I don't know. Great question. Hot Room Doctors. I haven't seen that movie. And, like, I'm overdue to see that again. Hot Room Doctors or Casino Royale? Casino Royale. Hot Room oh. Doctors is only available on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> I love me some Hot Room Doctors. Hot room. <laughs> Casino Royale is really good. Oh, really? I have Thanks. a DVD if you'd like to watch it. <laughs> ah, this is the segment where Eamon brags about his Blu-ray. Can I, oh, <laughs> it's not your Blu-ray. It's it's your a, do you just have it on DVD? I just have it on DVD. That's a double-disc DVD. All right. Oh, all right. Well, birthday, 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 birthday yeah. ideas for Eamon. Yeah. Blu-ray <laughs> Outmoded uh, home video <laughs> formats. This episode also guest stars Simon Cuts. Watch your language. Or, no, Simon Cuts. <laughs> Jesus, I, I fucked. I fucked your joke up by mispronouncing <laughs> the word. What's his name? Simon Cuts. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. And then, Eamon, would you like to do your joke? Wait, what's my joke? Just watch your language. Watch your language. Ah, there we go. Oh. Bigger, even even bigger laugh the second time. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot my joke in less than 10 seconds. I, I can't believe you. I mispronounced his name. This guy's been in a tons, including Sherlock. Not Sherlock Yak, sadly. Yeah. Uh, he had a small part in Captain America, plus other TV and movies. A bunch of... Captain America, the first Avenger? The first Avenger. Hmm. I always forget that that has a, uh, a subtitle. It's also not true. He's not the first Avenger. Who is? Iron Man. What makes him the first Avenger? Because he, like, created it. Or maybe it's Samuel L. Jackson. It's, well... But he's Samuel, not, Samuel Jackson, Jackson's not in the. He's more like a coach. He's like than upper management. <laughs> yeah. He's, maybe he's the owner. Yeah. Yeah. I think Captain America's first. He was born first. He was certainly that's born true. First. He was born. If that's... we're going by age, <laughs> then he absolutely is the first the oldest Avenger. Avenger. Yeah. yeah, that's true. It's done and done. One of our elder statesmen. Where's Thor, the oldest Avenger? Oh shit. Yeah. Right. Thor is. Yeah, Thor. So he's not old by yep. oldest. Wrong, Marvel. <laughs> Wrong. All right, guys. It's time for the episode description from IMDb. Magician Danny Chimoli is delighted to discover he cannot die and promptly incorporates being killed into his act. When Duncan tries to teach Danny about immortals and defending himself, Danny doesn't take Duncan seriously. This that is not the worst description. That's a pretty good description. Yeah. The YouTube one is Amanda and McLeod find new immortal Danny Chimoli in a circus, taking bullets in the heart, unaware he's now part of the game. That one's okay, too. okay too. Look yeah. at this. They're ignoring, like, a big part of the plot of the episode, but... Well, I think that's encompassed by the unaware he's part of the game part. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Unless you're just talking about the, the part where you follow, follow around a, a Frenchman trying to get laid. Mm -hmm. Is that the part of the plot you're talking that's about? That's the main part I was talking about. Hot, okay. room, hot room Doctors. Hot, hot Room, room doctors. doctors. Let's play Hot Room Doctor. All right, so how's this episode open up? We're at the Bar Le Valjean. Valjean. Bar Le Valjean, right? There we go. Sure. sure. Yeah. With a sad wizard alone in the dark. Yeah. With all his trinkets and baubles. <laughs> his mother's like, toys! They're all toys! And she doesn't talk like that at all. lights are right. Yeah. <laughs> toys! Toys! Well, she does have a very funny voice. Oh. 
She talks like it is. <laughs> yeah, she's like a little over the top. Yeah, she was so, probably just masturbating or something. Oh, probably. Into his top yeah. hat. Yeah. Is that what it's for? Yeah. And then his mom comes in and starts harassing him. Right, because I guess he didn't go to the job interview. Right. He's he, like, oh, I, I didn't get the job. And she's like, you didn't even go, because I guess she knows the inside scoop. Oh, right. Uncle. Because of Uncle Tony, was it? Uncle Tony. Tony, Tony, Tony. That's right. So he's got all this like magical paraphernalia around. He's got posters, posters all over the place. Yeah. So he's a real magic fiend. That's right. His magic mother man. grabs yeah. a rubber chicken and is like shaking it. Yeah. Uh, and then she just starts chucking all his... She's like, toys! It's like, well, that one, <laughs> that is, is, that one yes. is a toy. Yeah. Uh, so then she just starts throwing everything out the window. So Danny's mom doesn't approve of his true calling. His wizarding lifestyle. A magician. <laughs> yeah. So Danny storms off, and he goes downstairs, and he's, like, cleaning up all this stuff in the street. Did anyone notice the weird rubber bust that he, like, lifts up? I no. was like, what? what is I that? was like, what is this? What trick is this for? It looks horrifying. Is it, like, a bust of Houdini, or do you shoot it in the head? I don't know. Right. It, was like, it's like, it was like a rubber mask, but also enough to cover, like, some of your torso. <laughs> it was weird. It was super weird. Also, two side notes on this. One, this is the return of the Chuck E. Cheese sweater, because he's totally wearing one. And two, I'm tired of your tricks. And I guess I'm waiting for him to be like, they're not my tricks, they're my illusions. <laughs> he's the precursor to Gob Blue. Yeah. Right. So anyway, he's in the street picking up his shit, and he gets his top hat, and a truck is barreling yeah. down the street. And his mother's like, Danny, no! <laughs> and he gets taken out. Mm-hmm. What a letdown this is. This is a yeah. show that I will go and say right now has some of the best car crashes yeah. of any show. When they hit people, they <laughs> fucking commit. It's great. That and fucking this, watcher that gets obliterated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Choice. This, not so much. We get that starburst again. That's right. We, Last time it was like a rainbow burst. We mm-hmm. saw in Courage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Dom Payness was like, never Sorry. again will I do that. Except for now. Except for now. <laughs> yeah. We're doing it again. A, it's like slow motion. It just doesn't look good. It's yeah. not visceral. Got and no they, punch. They shoot it from behind. So like, obviously they didn't actually like pretend to hit anyone right. with a car. Boo. So but, this is our cold open. Then we get the credits. Yeah. Good old credits. So We're, I thought this was a weird choice for a cold open. I was not at all invested in the struggles of this wizard. And then he gets hit by a car and I'm like, I know what's about to happen, but I don't want to see more. That's <laughs> <laughs> all I can think. Like, So when we get back from the credits, we get like a weird POV thing. It's all blurry. Everyone's like looking down at him in the street, right? And he's like really he has like blood pouring out of his ears. He's fucked up. Yeah, he's yeah. Fucked Why up. did they show this? I don't know. Why didn't they just then cut to Duncan seeing him later at the circus, which is what's about to happen? You go to the circus yeah. and they'll see him. What do we yeah, this get after seeing him wake up? Nothing. Nothing. Also, you know that like there's no reason to show this dipshit get hit by a car <laughs> if he's not going to be immortal. Like <laughs> the rest a- of the episode's just not about this <laughs> anymore. Just a weird <laughs> murder at the beginning of the episode. Like, not it, it's not going to be like Duncan and Amanda have to be play Sherlock Yak and figure out <laughs> who killed Chuck E. Cheese the wizard. Like that's not what's going to happen. So I don't it's know. It's a bad use of time. I do like his bloody corpse. Yeah, that's fun. It's <laughs> nice. It looks good. So his mother comes out and it's like, oh, Danny. It's a man. Why I can't I? Do, I'm not doing her voice. I'm just doing other people's voices. Oh, Danny. Oh, Danny. But she takes Danny away and I guess no one has any more questions at all, especially the truck driver. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. All right. He's probably just sitting there like, oh, thank God. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> good. Goodbye. Don't mention this. Please don't call the police. So then we cut to the circus. 
This is like how many? This is like so Amanda's playing scene. the role of Richie in this scene. Like, wow. I can't believe <laughs> we're at the circus. What the f? And Duncan is like, oh, it's smelly. It's gross. This is the exact same scene as the Lady and the Tiger, right? Like the same Pretty circus. Much. And what's the other one where they go to the circus? I think it's stalked the, by the white supremacists. Yeah. Oh, right. The little boy. Are they really into circus? Circuses? Circi? In, in Cirque France? I, I guess you got your Cirque du Soleil. That's true. They do love that. There just seems to be a lot of circuses. circuses. Like, I, don't, yeah. I feel like Not people don't go bread, to circuses. Though. Highlander, the series, does have a lot in common with Batman. He's always at the circus, and he's always in abandoned warehouses and go. shit. Constantly. Yeah. So this is in the same world as Batman, is all I'm saying. So we get this goofy clown come out, Marco, and he's like the uh, ringmaster. Ooh, Amanda! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they know each other? Yeah. Because I guess she used to walk a tightrope for him. Yeah. All I could think was like, this guy seems like he's a real perv. Sure. That's all I could think. I was like, this guy, he seems like he's into some freaky shit. Oh, wait. I want to go back to something. Amanda's like, oh, the sights, the sound, the carnies. <laughs> right. The <laughs> This guy, Marco, was like, oh, we're going to Moscow. You should come with us. And Every carny's dream. Yeah, right. Every and then Mac dream. is like, bad food, bad weather, nice mafia. I was like, what? Like, weird. Tough deals. Tough, tough deals. <laughs> Such a weird. So they both have a weird rant about foreign places. places. And food. And food. So I was just very curious about this. I guess Moscow does actually have a big circus scene, hmm. which I Googled. I didn't get the impression it was every carny's dream to go to Moscow. Is it like one of the best circuses, maybe? I don't know. There is a circuspedia. Oh, cool. Which I discovered. And I was like, wow, this is a really long article about the history of Moscow's circus. Definitely not reading this. <laughs> like, that is kind of cool, though. Circuspedia. Circuspedia. Look that up. All right. Uh, so Marco gives them free tickets, and he's like, oh, you got to check out my new act. It's fantastic, right? <gasps> but who's the, who's the new act? The Immortal Tremoli. And Mac ah! and Amanda see the poster and are instantly, like, a little suspicious. Hmm. So then they're in the, in the circus tent with some horrifying clowns. These clowns are terrifying. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I'm not, like, an I'm afraid of clowns person. I don't. Oh, aren't you? No, I'm, I'm not. I'm I'm pretty tough, but yeah, he's, <laughs> Keith is very strong. He has that weapon. That. Yeah. yeah. No, but seriously, these clowns are you really not are... afraid of clowns? No, I'm not afraid of clowns. But these are freaky looking clowns. They were freaky. They were freaky deaky. They were getting freaky. And hot, like hot room clowns. <laughs> <laughs> so they like throw a bucket of confetti on them. Right. And it's like, oh, that gag was old when we played it in Oklahoma in 26. It's like, so is this pausing that Mac used to be a clown? I guess. Well, I guess maybe. I guess horse, you don't need to be a clown to do the, the gag, right? You just need a bucket, a and bucket commit. of glitter or confetti. <laughs> also, that sounds terrible. I'd rather get splashed with the water. Yeah, than a bucket of glitter. <laughs> you, you're gonna have that glitter on in your coffin. Yeah. <laughs> like that's how long that's sticking around. I guess this really is confetti. It's like not that small, but yeah. if somebody's glittered me, I'd be furious. Yeah. Marco, the fat clown, introduces the next act, the immortal Tremoli. So here's uh, young Danny comes out from the beginning, and or Marco's like a, a high powered gun yeah, with a scope on it. <laughs> this gun looks use. ridiculous. This is what this is what Duncan needed in Promises: the handgun with the scope. The scope. What yeah. the fuck is this? Oh my God. So yeah. So he pulls out this ridiculous Steven Seagal looking. <laughs> <laughs> gun and shoots a mirror this to is, prove that it's real. I like guess. Like children are in the front row of this. <laughs> like yeah. this does seem dangerous. Extremely it's dangerous. Right. Not just because he literally shoots Danny in the heart, but like way dangerous. It's just him waving a gun around. <laughs> yeah. So then Danny comes out and they do the same thing. They get the glass set up and he shoots him 
Yeah. Fuck him to like, him It's down. the idea that he shoots him through the glass and then hits the target behind him. Yes. Yeah, so like prove that it's real. Right. Wow. It's like But I feel like the glass thing is like it's just an added bit fakeable. of fe- well, yeah, like, I feel like it is really fakeable. It's like if you were watching this trick, you'd be like, Oh, I know how it works. Like when you pull the trigger, it shatters the glass. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy falls over. Like, right? That's yeah. how it works. Surely. That's a good point. So I don't know. Maybe yeah. they should have come up with a better magic trick. And it's not like he's bloody. I know. They should have, like, fucking <laughs> <laughs> put the gun, he puts the gun in his mouth. blown his brains <laughs> in front of all the little kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, he just looks like he hasn't been shot. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, there's your trick. Oh, and they get the buzz when he comes out. Oh, that's Did right. Yeah. That? And, and Danny's like, what? Yeah, he gets, like, a little, a little headache, and he's like, huh? So then we cut after the circus. Danny Boy is signing some Ooh, autographs. The pipes, the pipes, the pipes are calling. They're calling him. <laughs> yeah. So he's signing some autographs for some little kids. Then he gets his headache again. So like even the immortal Kimoli needs a break. Kimoli? Kimoli? Chimoli. No, that's Jimmy Kimoli Kim- on Late Night. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Kimoli. <laughs> his pranks are so traumatizing for children. Mean tweets. <laughs> Uh, so Mac and Matt are like, yo, we got to talk. And Mac is like, this is a weird version of Mac. So they go in the trailer and are laying down kind of the rules, mm. kind some of the rules. Sort of, yeah. Danny. They always do this weird, like, staggering of the rules. At least Danny gets the rules a little quicker than, like, everyone else. Most people, like, I've, they've been immortal for, like, two weeks before they find out there's swords yeah. involved. Oh, right? by the way. Yeah. <laughs> there's this little thing about decapitation. So there's some funny stuff here because, like, Danny's trying to think of ways. He's like, oh, I can expand my act now because I guess he's thinking, like, oh, I figured this would run out at some point. But he's like, now I know that I really can't die. So I'm going to go crazy. Like, shoot me with a fucking cannon. <laughs> right? yeah. And Amanda's like, wait a minute. Like, how much of the gross do you get? Like, how many shows do you do yeah. a week? I thought this That's was kind of funny. Yeah, It was funny. But what's up with Mac? Mac is, like, flying off the cuff in this. Off the cuff? Is that a saying? Well, when things are off the cuff, they're, like, improvised. He's flying off the handle. There we go. <laughs> Wait a minute, guys. I've been wearing my shirts all Aura. wrong. They have Uh-oh. handles on this. Yeah. <laughs> down by my wrists. Uh, Those are your hands. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. the name. <laughs> he is like a little aggressive. He gets way more aggressive later. Yeah. He's being kind of mean. And he's kind of playing a trumpet. I like he's, he's doing the fiddling <laughs> acting. Where he's yeah. like, oh, trumpet. He's yeah. playing around What's with it. Is Immortal Chimoli a trumpet player? Is that like a trick trumpet? Trick jumping. <laughs> I don't even want to try to say that. Trump trick it. Trump trick it. That's actually uh, Keith's male stripper name. <laughs> Trump trick it. Trump trick it. <laughs> Check out his trick trumpet. <laughs> I'm voting Trump ticket in this upcoming election. No, you're not. Oh, my God. So <laughs> they say they want to meet with him later. So anyway, we cut to, I don't know, a weird random public park in front of a big building that they are going to have a sword, sword fight, fight in front of, in front with of. people walking yeah, around. Right? <laughs> so Matt, they're training already with like real swords and shit. And Max going over different, like, I guess, parry positions he can be in. Danny is not, as the IMDb description said, not taking him too seriously. And Mac dials it up to 11, and it's, like, going to take his head. Mm-hmm. He's, like, got him pinned up against a tree. Yeah. And, and she's the- like, Amanda, please help me. And He's Amanda- like, I have to go to the hospital to Aww. visit dying kids. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a good excuse. It does. Sure. Yeah. They want to see the immortal Chimoli. Did I say it right that time? I think so. <laughs> the immortal Chimichanga? No, mm. I fucked it up. I'm sorry. I would love immortal Chimichangas. It's immortal Chimichuri. <laughs> Chimichuri. Chim Chim Churi. Yeah, that's it. Chim Chim, chim, chim Churi. So Amanda's like, you know, you're being high, hard on him. Why do you care? Which I think is a weird position to take. 
in a way. That, that's a super weird position to take. It's like why do, it's like you Mac took him on as his teacher, and like that's why you care. It's something right. she asked, like, why did you take him on as your student? Yeah. But she's like, why do you give a shit what happens to your student? Right. It's an odd yeah. chicken egg thing. But then Max kind of like, you know, it makes him think of a previous student. Ah, so oh, a flashback. Is this, is this a she's for a flashback? This is a FB. FB. So we flash back to England, 1795, and Mac is sparring with Jean-Philippe. So he's not treating this very seriously, much like Chimoli. But he's quite good. Right. He says he's the best uh, swordsman in Normandy. But mm-hmm. Mac's like the best mortal swordsman. That's right. So we get some cool training here, I guess. Like, I don't know. This this move comes back later, I believe. So This move? Yes, when Mac defeats him. Uh, and Say he, like, more. Get, I did not notice this. Yeah, that they're, they're doing like a specific parry and... But we'll get to it later. But Mac... They're, they're parrying, and he ends up kind of, like, dodging out of Jean-Philippe's way, and he, like, stumbles past him. So that's how he, like, beats him in the scene, and that's when Jean-Philippe is like, I'm done for the day. But this is, I believe, going to come back later. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And Jean-Philippe is like, yo, I got to go get it. Yeah, because he's got to get the ladies. Mm-hmm. But Jean-Philippe was stabbed in the back by a jealous husband. That's right. So this is a problem for Jean-Philippe. Yes. <laughs> uh, so then we uh, cut a little bit later, and we're in a pub. And gee, this guy, like, insults Jean-Philippe. Did anyone catch what this guy was saying? I was he like, says, I cannot hear. He said he could talk his way into hell and then out again. Yeah, that is what he said. I don't understand why Jean-Philippe is so aggrieved by this. That kind of sounds like a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. Right? They think he's just saying he's like a, a huckster. Or yeah. A, he's got a silver tongue. Yeah, yeah. exactly. A silver tongued devil. So they're about to get in a fight, but then we get the buzz. And an immortal walks in. Mm-hmm. Well, first, so you, they do fight, don't they? They do start a sword fight. He comes in di- while they're fighting, and he right. gets yeah. a little distracted. But Jean-Philippe bests the barman. The barman. He shows him mercy, though, and he's like, ah, oh, we'll get drinks or whatever. So he gets him a Hennessy, right? Which I did yeah. have to look up. So this is the second Hennessy thing we've seen in Highlander. Because oh, yeah. it was the in... Hennessy sign. Mm-hmm. In Methuselah's Gift, yeah, they yeah. paid for that sign. So my guess is they maybe paid for this, too. And also, I did look up. I was like, oh, is this, like, accurate? <laughs> Does Hennessy exist? Hennessy was founded in 1765. Damn. So, there we go. How about that? How about that? So anyway, this, this bro comes in, Damon Case. He's the villain of the episode. And he wants to throw down. I remember this guy so vividly. From the first time I watched this, like, this was like a character that I remember sticking with me in an episode that I otherwise didn't really remember. He's great. He has a weird, like, stoic energy to him. Very serious. And so he's like, it is our immortal duty to fight. Is hardcore. This is going to be this is guy. This guy's mo throughout the episode. But he doesn't want to fight. Then he wants to meet later because he's like, there's what does he say? There's too many men of wisdom in this place. The art of combat is a holy duty to mm-hmm. fellow immortals. So this is kind of his, his mo too. Is uh, show up, start some shit, and be like, oh, but I'm not going to fight you till tomorrow. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we'll fight later. That's true. So we cut back to the present, and we're at Danny's trailer. Uh, so he gets the buzz, and he's like, oh, this must be McCloud. He goes outside. Uh-oh, it's Damon Case. Who's, like, going to put him down like a sick puppy. It's just like, oh, you must be real new. Like, it's okay, you won't suffer. Yeah, and Danny does not seem to really get it either. He's like, I already have a teacher, I'm good, thanks. Yeah. And the guy's like, nope, I'm here to kill you. He's like, but, but can't you come back later? Like, I'm not ready for this. What do we think of Danny's performance? I kind of like it. He's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of like a goofy character. I don't know. He's not too slapsticky, but he's, like, awkward. And yeah. weird. He is weird. What Eamon said. <laughs> yeah, what yeah. Eamon said. But Danny doesn't know what to do, so he cl- calls his clown buddies over to help. 
Yeah, he's lucky his clowns were... Clown reinforcement. Yeah. When they were in the background, I said to myself, do they have blackface on? <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. Uh, then we get a close-up, and they do not. They have orange face on. Whew. Yeah, right? What close call there. They're down the clown. So also, I thought this was interesting. Was, Mac uh, is, was pushing him, like, you got to train, you got to train. I guess he never gave him a sword. Because Danny's like, I don't even have a sword. It's yeah. like, what? Like, <laughs> Mac is so worried. He wouldn't even give you, like, a loner? A loner. Yeah. Maybe That's he's a good worried point. he's going to hurt himself. <laughs> yeah. Damon Case wants to meet Danny at the Dome of Chantilly at dawn. Mm. Is that a famous landmark? I did look it up. Yes, it is. So it's this big, giant building. It looks like it's an old mansion-y place or whatever. It's a cool spot. Yeah. So we cut to Mac's barge. Which is all repaired, I guess, now. <laughs> yeah. So, Eamon, what were Mac and Amanda doing? Uh, were they fucking? They were fucking. Mm. Are they about to? No, no they, they already they were. Did. They, they yeah. did. Mac can't stop thinking about Danny. And yeah. Amanda's like, oh, I must be losing my touch or whatever. But then Amanda's thinking about the circus. So mm-hmm. Mac's Mac, like, I must be losing yeah. my touch. So then we get the buzz. Because I guess, well, um, well, Amanda wants Mac to come to Moscow. And he's like, ah, I and don't know. And she's like, oh, I will fuck you until you go to yeah. Moscow. <laughs> <laughs> but then they get the buzz. And Danny comes in. Someone tried to kill me with the sword. <laughs> also, Max, like, come in, it's open. To which I could only ask, why, <laughs> why is it open? Yeah. You're literally a vagrant, Mac. You live on a dock. That's a good question. Yeah, <laughs> and he's so worried that immortals are going to be coming. Right. Lock the door. That's a The bare minimum you can point. do. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess the buzz would wake them up. Uh, that's true. You don't <laughs> need to lock your door when you got the buzz. Although, did they get the buzz when he knocked on the door? Yes, they did, right? <laughs> yeah. The alarm just sounds like the buzz. (laughs) (laughs) I really should change that alarm. It's very confusing. I did like the line Amanda says here when he comes in. She's like, we couldn't stop talking about you anyway, so you might as well be here, which I thought was pretty good. Yeah. But anyway, then we cut another flashback back to 1795, and we're back in that pub, which is the Black Cat Tavern, the sign says. So Jean-Philippe's there drinking it up, and Damon Case is there as well, looking all lonely. Yeah, what is he doing there? I don't he's know. He's like just stalking out. this Red guy. And drinking water. Yeah. <laughs> he's probably just hungry yeah. at this point. But uh, Jean Philippe is trying to drink with him, offers him a toast, and he's like, I do not drink. Like, this guy's like clear headed. He's all business. Yes, he is. He's straight edge. <laughs> uh, Damon says he's been up all night praying, and he thinks Jean Philippe should prepare his soul because he takes no pleasure in what's about to be done. This is kind of a cool dynamic for a character. So he's just kind of like morally neutral but has a belief about why they need to fight which is interesting leading me then also to wonder whether that's actually a morally neutral point of view as he presents it and whether he is in fact evil but we'll get into that i'm sure uh you know the way he at least he presents it is like this is kind of a joyless occurrence of doing your duty he was up all night like preparing his soul and praying for Jean-Philippe in the event that he kills him because, like, this is serious business afoot and, like, with the gravity of murder. Yeah. So they go outside because Damon does not want prying eyes. And that's a theme that throughout this episode, Damon is very, like, private about all this stuff. Which I guess they're all supposed to be, but are often just like, oh, it's just a sword fight in this park. But he seems to, like, they call it out with his character. Like, we can't do it here. We've got to, like, he's always kind of saying stuff like that. So later we cut, still in the flashback, Max shows up on a horse and is looking all over the place. For JP. Morgan? Yep, JP Morgan. Sean Philippe Morgan. Some of the local harlots let him know <laughs> that uh, he left with a strange man a little bit ago to defend their honor, presumably. So Mac runs outside of the Black Cat Tavern and sees a bunch of lightning. So I think that's kind of cool the way they like they didn't show the fight really. They just show like lightning in the background. 
It's good yeah, stuff. This is cool. Yeah. So Mac runs off into like the woods or wherever and finds a headless JP. Mm-hmm. And then, like, brings him back, I guess, on his horse. Yeah, he's transporting the body, which you don't see Mac do too no, much. But Mac gets the buzz. And so he goes onto holy ground in a church. I like the music here. It's all this cool, like, chant music. Spiritu <laughs> Domino. And so. Churchy-do. Oh, my God. So, Churchy-do. Churchy-do. <laughs> uh, so why don't we play this clip and talk about it? This is where Duncan McLeod confronts Damon Case for the first time. Damon Case. You killed Jean-Philippe de la Fay. Yes. He was immortal, as we are. That is no reason. It is the only reason. Our ritual combat is my purpose, my reason for being, as it is yours. Come away from holy ground. Killing is not something I take lightly. It brings me no pleasure that he is dead, but it is what must be done. What God has ordained. Then God has ordained that you will fight me. Not yet. I must give thanks to God for my survival and pray for the soul of my foe. Return in the morning. I will fight you then if you still desire it. Before you go, will you join me in prayer for the soul of your friend? Pray for your own soul. So David Case really takes the wind out of his sails by being like, hey, you want to come pray for your buddy with me? Yeah, Mac has, like, no idea what to make of any of this. He's like, well, I hate you, but that seems reasonable. (laughs) I feel like he's full of shit. Damon? Yeah. Ah. Maybe he isn't. I don't know. That's what I was kind of wondering. Uh, Well, I sort of agree. I think he's full of shit in the fact that I think he's very incorrect. And he's outsourcing his moral duty based on an assumption. Like, he's made a decision, but he's trying to pretend that he isn't. And in that sense, he's full of shit. I think he is acting in good faith in the sense that I think he believes what he's saying, but he is denying his own agency in a way that... Oh, for sure. That is, you know, gross and condones murder. Yeah. And I think there's a version of his kind of moral philosophy that would be more acceptable. I, I guess if you want to assume this, like, the caveat of, like, well, it's what we do. Like, we're supposed to kill each other. You still get to decide who you kill. And, like, going after people like Danny Chamoli, like, you don't have to go after him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he can do this in a, I would say, more moral order. Right. So he's just supposed to kill Danny Chamoli later? I mean, it's not ideal, but that's a version of this that I think is on some sort of spectrum better. Like, if he said, I'm going to kill bad immortals... Because it's what I do. Like, if we have to kill... If well, I, that's what Duncan I mean, if, if he does. says I... But Duncan even doesn't... Like, sometimes Duncan is like, well, it's not my fight. It's not my thing. Like, this guy can still be like, I'm going to kill all the time because that's my purpose. If he just pushes the needle, like his compass, towards bad immortals, I'm like, all right, well, you can go kill all of them, I guess. I don't know. And then come back and kill all the good ones? He's got to kill them eventually. He does. So I don't, so it's know, still that, not a good I don't position. know that the ordering of things necessarily makes it more acceptable. Like... If it makes it more acceptable slam, for a while. Yeah, I guess, like, if all the slam the cats in the world were dead, it would be time to kill Danny Chamoli. Sure, it would be. 
And I don't know that the absence of Slam the Cats makes that a morally acceptable decision. Right. Yeah. But again, this is all based on the premise that, like, if we do take the truth that they have to kill each other. Like, it's, it's inevitable or something. Which is something that d- definitely we've debated about. Like, oh, if it's like Duncan and his best friend where the two people left, would they have to kill each other? Or would it be a choice? We're not sure, really. Right. Seemingly, it would be a choice. Seemingly. Damien Case essentially pretends he has no choice. Right. Well, that but is, he does. That's, 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 the, the that's the fiction at the heart of this thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, well. Uh, and he just happened to, in the two instances we saw, pick new, newer immortals. Yeah, that's shitty. I'm like, well, Duncan's there. I mean, <laughs> just switch. Yeah. But I guess we'll get into that a little more later. Yeah. You know, though I get the impression Jean, Jean-Philippe is by no means helpless. I think we're supposed to believe he's pretty good. Oh, like, sure. He's ready for someone. Like, Mac doesn't throw in his face that he's new the way he does with Chimoli. Right. Right. If but, anything, he's just kind of arrogant because, like Mac said, you're a good mortal sword fighter. Sword fighter. You've never had to deal with people that have fought for maybe centuries. Right. So, we flash forward. Flash forward. We cut back to the present. Back on the barge. So, Mac is talking about how he doesn't think Case is evil, but he's just playing the game the way he understands it. Which uh, I also think is weird, because I think Mac is engaging, is for some reason buying into Case's enterprise. He's made statements like this before with Kenny. He has. And, I and he's like, he's just was, playing the game. I mean, so Mac's thought that was, at least, biz- that was bizarre when he did it then, yeah, too. But he's at least being consistent. In this weird game thing he has. Like, oh, as long as it's for the game. But Mac doesn't do that. Like, Mac doesn't play the game. Play the game. Do-do-do-do, play the game. Like, Mac seems to only participate when he's provoked. Mm-hmm. Or if he's getting a bad guy. Right. Yeah. Like, he's made a series of moral choices relative to the game. Right. Right. But he's not, like, coming up to Danny and being like, all right, time to chop your head off. Part right. of the game. Mm-hmm. And, like, Case... Tries to belittle him for that later. We can talk about it some other time. Like, Case treats him like he's being a dipshit for not cutting off Chamoe's head. And that's strange as well. So Danny's thinking he can just go run to Sicily. And Mac is like, just cool it. Go home. And Mac is going to go meet with Case. But I guess Danny's, like, kind of worried. He's like, oh, but what happens if something happens to you? That'll be my fault. So it's like, oh, a glimpse of goodness in Danny. Which is... He's a real iffy character throughout this thing. Yeah. So we cut to the next morning. We're at that dome. This is a cool, a cool space. Yeah. And there's no sound, so you can re- really hear Mac stomping around here. <laughs> it's actually just the musical stomp. Yeah, the musical stomp. Is it fair to call it a musical? It's not a musical, right? It's just a performance. I don't know. What yeah, I wouldn't call it. it a musical. It's how just, just a performance. Could, how long could that be entertaining? I saw stomp. How was it? I enjoyed it. Okay. Right. I was also a kid. All right. Was I there could... any tapping as well? Tapping. Tapping. As opposed to stomping? As opposed to stomping. I think there might have been some toe tapping. Okay. Maybe the the bottom of a ladle or something. <laughs> they have all sorts of tools and buckets and mops. Yeah, a lot of trash. Yeah. Trash cans. cans. Just a bunch of junk. <laughs> a bunch of junk. Drumming on a streetlight. Banging on a trash can. Drumming on a streetlight. Doug. Um, all right, so... We're, we're later. <laughs> so we're now later at this dome. And so Mac is like, oh, I was delayed for two. Or Case, I guess, throws in Mac's face. Like, you're, you, I guess, have been delayed 200 years. We never got to meet that one morning. Yeah. Mac, I guess, had decided in the past that he didn't have a reason to go fight him. That maybe it is okay for immortals to just kill each other because they're immortal. It's what we do. It's what we do. It's who we are. All right. So why don't we listen to what Mac's counter arguments are to Damon Case? You fought in the Crusades. Did you kill every life you came across? Slaughter every defenseless innocent? Some did. But not me. God counsels mercy. And show mercy to Danny Chimoli. 
But ours is another fight, another test. The mercy you ask for has no place with us. Besides, what is he to you? He's defenseless. Innocent, that's enough. Good stuff. So let's get into it, guys. What do we think about Mac's counter-arguments? I think Mac takes an interesting tact on his counter-arguments. I think he's try- like deliberately trying to speak the language of Case. But I don't really feel like those are the good arguments for why you should not do it. Like, he never challenges the supposition that it's their purpose to fight. And he never challenges, like, the core tenets of what Case is trying to do. He just kind of nibbles around the edges. He's not just like, he's like, no, like, hey, maybe reconsider what you think. He's like, well, maybe make an exception. Or here's some other part of, like, your religious ethos that might stop you from doing what you want to do. But he's really just dancing around it. It's odd. Unless it's not odd because it is true. Like, does Mac hold this true as well? Like, I know we're just supposed to kill each other, but, like, hold off on killing, like you said, an innocent who's defenseless right now. Like, because Mac has, Mac has lobbied this it's what we do thing before. So, like, part of me thinks Mac doesn't hold this any differently than Case really does at its core. Like, I think that's why he doesn't challenge it, maybe. Well, that might be right. When he, when he looks at Kenny, before he knew Kenny was evil, he was like, Kenny is innocent or defenseless, so it's okay that he kills people that are trying to kill him. Maybe it's not the same thing. Well, he argued that it's the only way he can survive was to right. like trick people, because that's the real fucked up thing Kenny does, too. <laughs> right. Right. But it's like, so that's okay, but then it's not okay for Case to kill Danny just because he's new. Well, like, Mac almost seems to be arguing that someone in the position of a Kenny or Danny is right to fight back, but someone who would try to prey on them is inappropriate. Right. Like, he's in some way sticking up for, like, the quote-unquote defenseless person. Right. Maybe that's what squares it. It is weird that Case comes after young immortals. Like, yeah. why doesn't he challenge Mac right? I mean, if that's the name of the game, it's just kill immortals. Well, here's Mac right now. He shouldn't even care about his challenge to Danny. It's like, oh, here's an immortal. Let's fight right now. Well, I think he is still going to kill Danny. I think in the context of this, I don't think we're supposed to think that Case is like full of shit in the sense that he only preys on these inexperienced people. I think we're supposed to think that's a coincidence. I guess so. But I guess because of that, like, why doesn't he challenge Mac here? He well, does. He does. Well, they right. fight. Well, eventually. But it's because yeah. Mac is like, I'm not going to get out of your way. Right. But to me, I guess I'm, I'm saying that's irrelevant. Like, well, he just because he's in proximity to Mac should be good enough for Damon Case to want to fight him because that's how he plays. Well, he's also got this like there's a separate from the point about it's our purpose to fight. He also has like this preparation aspect because like, like the minute he oh, meets John Philippe, he doesn't want to fight him. He's like, I'm not ready to fight you now. I'll be ready to fight you tomorrow. Yeah. Like there's a, a ritual. Yeah, that's ex- that's exactly what it is. He also might be coming after Danny because I think when they first meet in the circus, he does make a little jab like you've been awfully outspoken about like your gifts or whatever. Like he does not like that Danny is not being private about this. I think mm-hmm. so. I mean, that's part that could be really why he's Which, coming after him as a target. That's Great a good point. point. Yeah, I didn't Great think about that Damon at all. Case. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Maybe you should listen to this guy. Also, his coats rule. Damon Case wears really good coats in this yeah. episode. I don't know if they're a Highlander 
Best of Highlander, Immortal Leather. But they're good coats. <laughs> but it's the good coats. So before Mac and Case are able to fight, there's some police sirens in the background, and it turns out, we'll find out later, that Danny has called the police. Because he was worried about Mac yeah, yeah. taking a bullet for him, as it were. Taking a sword. Two quick questions here. One, how does Mac know this biographical information about Case again? He's like, you fought in the Crusades. It's like, how do you know Yeah, that? I don't know. Yeah, they never talked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they told him at the bar. Yeah, they told him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they told him a whole they bunch gave, of stuff they, at the bar. They had a whole little biography. Yeah. Hang on, sorry, I gotta check my. Uh, he fought in the Crusades. He mentioned voice. that. That that woman's he voice. Five hundred years ago, like but a we Monty Python question. character. He did mention that he spared some of the innocents, but then he said some people didn't do that. <laughs> this may come in useful later, Mister McLeod. He also has lovely coats. So that was point one. When either Case or Mac leaves, does one of them say, and my note says it was Case, but I could be confused, says, see you soon. And the other one says, soon, buddy. I miss that. Soon, <laughs> That's funny. buddy. Soon, buddy. I do not have that in my notes either. <laughs> I do have soon. My notes say soon, buddy. Let's hope so. They're just, they're, they're pals. Yeah. Uh, maybe Two he said soon, pa- donkey. Soon donkey. Soon donkey. Donkey. So we cut to Shaylina. Lena? Lena. Shaylina. And I guess his mom runs this like bar restaurant place. And so Danny and there are talking about like what they're going to do. Danny says he's not afraid to die, which is insane. Really? Yeah, but uh, he well, really does not, not want to yeah. kill anybody. I call bullshit. I can believe that he's but see, oh, not but- afraid to die because he said, I don't know if this trick will last forever. Yeah, that's and true. And he still gets shot in the chest yeah. every day. But Before Mac he actually, knows he's more this might be confirmation that Mac does believe what Damon Case's case is. Because Mac, in retort of this, says it's not a question of wanting to. You have no choice. I mean, and some of that might just be, well, when you're in a fight like this, you have to defend yourself. But yeah. in some ways, this is echoing, like, this is what we have to do. So you're going to have to kill somebody. Yeah, Mac is surprisingly sympathetic to Case's way of looking at things. Also, I have a note here. We didn't talk about Case's name, Case with a C. And so as we know, in Highlander, K's are bad guys. But Case sounding names are ambiguous characters. Oh, interesting. So there we go. An interesting Holy crap. Case. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> that was not a good with a, joke with on a my hard part. K. With a hard K. So Mac apparently knows some sword master in Japan right. that he wants him to go stay with where was this character in the episode the samurai <laughs> i was wondering that too i was always like oh is he trying to send him to somebody we know no no some other friend of max but danny was like i want to go to vegas and make it big or whatever yeah so danny that's just this other bigger thread. than david copperfield <laughs> cool but yeah there's this thread in the episode that danny is just after fame right yeah that's pretty overt amanda's also gonna go be a professional performer later so Neat. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Hypocrisy. Everybody leaves at the end of this episode. But then I guess Danny's also feeling bad. He doesn't want to leave his mother. Right. And he's like, oh, like... Allegedly. Left. Then he leaves her to go to America. Yeah, exactly. He's a fucking, <laughs> but he's, he's like, a oh, fucking liar. His dad left them, which is like a weird bit of uh, stuff thrown in there. I thought about this. They talk about it in the special features. How they never like talk about how they never say he was adopted right. in the episode, and that just stuck out to me. Just, yeah, like just throw, still throw that line. Yeah, in Yeah, I had, I had, when he mentions his dad left, that that's where in my notes I put. Oh, I guess he's an adopted kid, probably as well. Yeah, apparently got cut. So Danny is packing later, and his mom comes in. It's like, hey, could you help me with the sink? 
right. very suspiciously. Yeah. Because let's be let's be honest, Danny doesn't know any how to fix a he sink. He can't fix a <laughs> sink. He can't plumb. Yeah. He can barely hang up a poster. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a surprise party for Danny because his mama is so happy for him, and the agent called and said he was he booked Vegas. Right. Yeah. Bad agent. Yeah. So them and like four of their friends show up to this party. They look like they're, they're mostly all, like, the mom's old friends. People. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, great party. Yeah. So Danny's like, I can't deal with this shit right now, and he has to take a walk. So mm. he bails on the party because he can't tell his mom about himself either. He like goes to. He's like, I have to tell you something. He's like, ah, I got a bail. So we cut back at the barge. Amanda's there hanging out. Amanda's pretty sympathetic to the idea that he wants to do this, but it's like, you know, it'd be different if you had some experience or as we'll come back to haunt us later, had taken some heads, but you're just not up for like being solo right now. Right. I have Amanda's dressed as a cowgirl in this scene. Yeah. She's a red <laughs> button up shirt. Uh, but Danny's wondering if the fame would be worth it, even if he died young. So let me cut. Oh, that explains why I said, what the fuck is her outfit? <laughs> yeah, that would be why. <laughs> oh, I actually wrote it twice. It's both scenes. <laughs> That's right. Well, so then now, she's in this like trash bag looking number. She's probably uh-huh. wearing a garbage bag and it a makes, witch hat. <laughs> it makes no sense. It's like hideous. Mac's actually taking her trick or treating. So Mac doubles down again and he says, I have to protect him. I can't watch a man beat a child, I think, something like that. Yeah, because again, Amanda's just like, why do you give, after giving Danny a rousing speech and like trying to help him, she's still to Mac, like, psst, why do we care about this? Yeah. So we cut back to that dome. And they go fight. This, this has cool lighting. back up with Case. Yeah. There's a tunnel behind them that's lit kind of ominously. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love a cool uh, looking set. I was going to say, also the way they get here, like, this is this talk on the streets, like, with Amanda, like, oh, like, I, I got to protect him. Hard cut to the dome, and Case is just like, I'm glad you got my message. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's shorthand for, we need to get these characters together. I don't know what to do. Wrap it up. Just yeah. have a phone call. Thanks for meeting me. Or just have had one line instead of soon, buddy, been like, tomorrow. Yeah. Like, yeah. Anyway, I agree that the that hallway light is pretty cool and i think it looks great during the quickening mm-hmm. i found this stri- qu- this fight distractingly dark it's so dark like i had a hard time following it it was so dark it is dark it's just like in the episode promises i thought that was another kind oh, of that's a dark really dark fight fight yeah yeah, I just don't know why they do that. Because hmm. it doesn't look like they're trying to hide it. It looks like they're able to do the moves pretty well. Yeah, so, like, like, it could be the lighting that's good. just in there. Like yeah. Maybe they couldn't set up that much stuff. I don't know why. I, I mean, know. they actually, they have a bunch of fireworks to go off later. So they were clearly allowed to set up a bunch of shit. Yeah, I just don't know why they made that choice. Because hmm. it reads as a choice to me. Well, Case, I kind of like Case kind of taunts Mac a little bit. He's like, does it make you feel all big and strong to protect like the weak? Mm-hmm. So that was kind of interesting. Uh, this irritated me because it's like anyone who can say that with a straight face knows that they themselves are an asshole. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> like, Look at you protecting the, the weak. weak. Yeah. It's like, okay, fuck you. In what universe are like, unless you're a zealot, which maybe Case could be, like in what universe is not defending the weak a good thing? <laughs> I can think of a lot of uh, people in our government that think that's a bad idea. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, it is true. Like, it is playing with this notion. Of, it reminded me of the discussion in Warmonger of, like, what is Max Honor really? Yeah. Is it just vanity or is it something else? And the case is kind of speaking that language. Yeah. I think this is int- – I mean, it's just touched on. But, like, mm-hmm. yeah, this this idea, like, is it just your own vanity about protecting this principle even though it doesn't really matter? Like, yeah. just let me kill the kid. Right. I like before they fight, Case takes a prayer – posture i thought yeah. that was a cool like 
character move. And Matt gives him a nice deep bow, too. Mm-hmm. There's like some respect here. Yeah. So they reasons. go at it. And inevitably. Uh, Mac again asks for him to make an exception. He says, yeah. not in 10 centuries have I ever yeah. made an exception. Mac wins. They Mac wins. <laughs> they fight in the dark. Mac wins. Yeah. But so the way Mac hard. wins, this is the this is the callback of that move. It would so, seem. So tell me about this, because I didn't catch it. It seems just to be the same series of moves that leads to Jean-Philippe's defeat, where, like, Mac's able to kind of dodge out of the way, and this guy gets, like, and Jean-Philippe, like, overextends himself and goes past him. It seems like that's exactly what happens in this instance, which I think is significant because if perhaps Jean-Philippe stuck around for that lesson, he wouldn't have lost to Case. Right. Because Case does that move. So Mac's able to defeat him because he's got the knowledge. And mm-hmm. Jean-Philippe was, like, too arrogant to, like, stick around for the proper lessons, which is what Danny Chimoli's doing, too. He's been like, oh, I don't need to train now. Interesting. Yeah. Pretty cool quickening in that the lighting, I think, is awesome. I like this quickening. Yeah. yeah. There's, like, this fog, and then there's this kind of orangish light radiating from the end of this tunnel that almost creates this appearance like a, like a gaping maw. Mm-hmm. Of or something like that. I don't know. It's a great visual. The quickening lightning like almost goes around Max's head like a halo or something. I thought that was cool. Yeah, this is cool. And there's some neat smoke effects. This is neat. Neat. But Mac is immediately <laughs> regretting his choice. Yeah, back on the barge, he's like in a funk and dressed like a farmer. <laughs> hey, what is he wearing? He's a funk farmer. I don't remember. It's just it's now he is a farmer. <laughs> the farmer of funk. <laughs> well, I'm glad they have Mac in this scene question what he did, which is, I think, important. Yeah, that's Like, is Mac's important. getting so much grayer this season. It's mm-hmm. crazy. What did he do in this, episode, this season that's great, Keith? I don't remember. That's right. <laughs> Something with uh, uh, someone's wife, uh, ship captain. Ship captain? <laughs> that doesn't sound like that. Well, at least he didn't get into politics at all, right? No, no, no. <laughs> okay. But yeah, he's like, oh, Case wasn't really my enemy. So, hmm, interesting. He's kind of snippy with Amanda in this scene, too. (laughs) (laughs) Max has got a real, he's got a dude. He's got a dude in this. It's almost the holiday season, Keith. What kind of uh, Highlander podcast-themed gifts can we offer our dear listeners? See, that's a great point, because there's not much new Highlander shit out there. No, all the uh, those 500 coats have been sold. Oh, the leather, high-quality tooled leather. All that available leather has been used up. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. There's no more leather. The, the more Methuselah best... stones are sold. The immortal yeah. jewelry collection. There must be something new. There has to be. Well, luckily, for fans of this podcast, there is a unique opportunity to get some of the rare new Highlander merchandise. What could this be? Why, my dear boy, we have a collection of five Highlander magnets featuring many of your favorite characters from the show. Many of our favorites? They might be your favorites or whoever's favorite. So we've got Duncan McLeod. We have Amanda, Joe, Mythos. And who's the fifth one? What possible fifth one could there be? Highlander rewatched Scottish Duncan. Ooh, isn't he always Scottish? He's always Scottish. I guess a Highlands barbarian Duncan. I dig it. It's actually one of my favorite ones. They're all hyper-stylized. What great person must have made this shit? I don't know if go great person, but great artists. Oh, you're going to go that far? Yeah. Yeah. Great artist now? The great artist, me, wow. the immortal Amen. I like that in your world, you are unsure if you're a great person, mm-hmm. but you are positive you're a great Absolutely, artist. Absolutely, I'm a wow. great that's, that's keeping with that, that trend. Sure. Right. Nice. I dig it. So, Kyle, how can people get these magnets? Ooh, you can get them on Etsy or directly on our Facebook page. 
And I know what you're thinking. These people just want our money so we can Scrooge McDuck around in your hard-earned cash. But no! What is this? the proceeds from this used to fund? This very podcast. The That's one they're right. listening to right now? This very minute. You know, this is a great way to get a little something, a great little stocking stuffer for your favorite Highlander fan, or maybe even just for yourself. Or the magnet enthusiast. That's right. Life. Yeah. So head on over to Etsy.com and just search Highlander Rewatch, or go to our Facebook page and click on the Shop Now button at the top of the page. And just a heads up, the Shop Now button is only available on the desktop version of Facebook. So head on over to computer and find our page and click Shop Now. And how much is this bad boy worth, Kyle? Or how much is, how much is it worth? A million dollars. But how much do we charge for it? A measly 15 bones. That's, That's five less bones than 20 bones. <laughs> that is. That's barely anything. That's like the cost of a lunch. You couldn't even get a print of this art for that much. And this you get five high-quality magnets for. You can't go wrong. Bye today. Uh, so we cut back to the circus, and Amanda's talking Mark- to Marco. She's thinking about joining them in Moscow. But Next, Mac... Gonna go find Danny and rat with him a little bit. Yeah, tell him that Case has been taken care of. What happens here... Because it looks like they had a second camera of much lower quality. When oh, they inside shot this when they sh- when the sh- shots inside the tent with Danny. That's lighting problems, and it's because the aperture on the camera has to be. That's why you get all that film grain and shit. Yeah, so it's it looks very dark. Bad. I was and, like, did yeah. they like shoot this? Shoot half this scene straight to video for some reason? <laughs> like it just looks terrible. And because it's cut together with something that looks better of normal quality. It's way out there. Yeah, it's probably the the camera speed or whatever makes it all grainy. So yeah, so then Danny also becomes like the most annoying. Like he, was, I didn't find him too annoying in this he's episode. Annoying. But then in this, he like lays it on. He's like, "Ooh, you want to see a new trick?" Like I just yeah. found him so whiny. So he's got a new trick for Mac. And Eamon, what's he do? Uh, he handcuffs Mac with "Ooh, kinky," and he just pulls a sword out. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, all right, this is a trick. I'm going to kill you now, which is really fucked up. It's super fucked up. It's like, you're a sociopath, Danny. This is the only person who ever tried to help you. This is crazy. (laughs) So like, and he's like, I can't run. I can't defend myself. So I'll kill the only person who could possibly defend me. I guess Amanda inadvertently laid the seeds of this plan. Like that to be gets. And again, that brings into question, like, what do you get when you get a quickening? Who knows? Yeah. Or she could have even just meant like, you've done this a few times. Right. Like she might not be making a reference to quickening juice at all. This is crazy. Also, I want to point out something he does when he introduces the trick. So Max like, all right, tell me what the trick is. And he's like, well, first, this is how it starts off. They introduce me. Like they say my name. And then he's like, and then I come out and the audience applauds. It's like, this is your description of a trick? Like, yeah. that'd be like, oh, tell me about that movie. Oh, well, you know, it, it came on a DVD and you put it into your... It's like, that's not the story you're supposed to be telling. Well, that's how I we started our, our Queen podcast. Yeah, we right. drove to the movie theater. Every detail. We bought the tickets. Yeah, it's not good. But uh, anyway, but sorry, Matt, random point. It turns out is an escape artist. Uh, and he was friends with Houdini. Who? <laughs> right, right. Harry Houdini? Oh. Houdini? What's on third? Which which Dini? Which Dini? So anyway, Chamoli's a real fucking dickhead here because he's like, oh, with your strength, now I can be like I can afford to become fame. Like this fame plot with him is a yeah. whole thing. So it he just reveals him to be the worst. Yeah, he's a real piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and like I guess none of this stuff about his mom was 
true or maybe it, wasn't. it was. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Him going to Vegas in general proves that the mom part isn't true. Yeah. So anyway, Mac escapes the handcuffs and then has his sword out instantly without ever undoing his coat. Yeah. <laughs> it's there. It's just there. I was like, all they would have had to do to make me buy it and not even blink, even is, though it's still implausible, is just undo that bomber jacket right. thing he's wearing. <laughs> and they don't. He's just like, Broop. And then he's like, I killed Case, you effing idiot. Right. And then, he, of course, he changes his tune. Oh, I, I didn't realize that. Oh, I'm so sorry. Why didn't you tell me? Yeah, I don't know, because I was watching this stupid trick. Yeah. <laughs> that you demanded to show me. So anyway, Matt goes outside, and Amanda's like, oh, is everything cool with Danny? And he's like, yeah, we're good. We're through with each other, though. So Mac is done. Which, again, why does Mac just lie to his friends all the time? Yeah, why doesn't he tell her what happened? Yeah, like, <laughs> what if she meets him in 10 years and, like, hangs out with him? And he handcuffs her and chops her head off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like the, what Mac says to Amanda here. He's like, oh, yeah, Danny had a new trick, but uh, it needs a little work. So Amanda is going to Moscow, and uh, but so is he. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to maybe. Yeah, yes so is the answer. We cut to Vegas. We're at the Dunes Casino, which, by the way, I had some notes on. The Dunes Casino was uh, operated from 1955 to 1993, and then was then torn down. Uh oh, stock For what? footage. So, so yeah, it's stock oh, footage, it's and stock it's now. Footage. Do I have what it is now? I forget what casino it is now, but. In my notes here, I then have a weird Keith theory, Uh-oh. which is, does this episode take place in the past? <laughs> the answer to that is no. This is a whole... Uh, uh, but a I, was, I was really trying to make that check out, and it doesn't. I thought I you were going to say the Trump, other time Trump Casino threw it out. The other time? Well, there's no other time clues, but I was trying oh, to figure out if there's any way to just stick it in the past mm. so it won't interfere with anything else. But well, I think, this barge isn't seemingly wrecked. But the problem is... Tess isn't around, and he oh, was dating right. Tess in 89, mm. and Danny has a cell phone that's small. Like, it was the cell phone thing that killed me at the end. I was uh-huh. like, oh, if he didn't have a cell phone, I was like, I think we could say this is pre-1989, <laughs> a pre-1989 Highlander story. That's it would funny. explain no Richie. It would explain all sorts of weird stuff in this episode. <laughs> uh, so anyway, what happens in this fucking scene? Uh, well, Danny's well, a douchebag. Yep. <laughs> He's talking to his mama in a bolo tie. His mama. Mama. <laughs> mama. Also, apparently, Danny has a small penis. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Sports car. Yeah. Red sports car. Talking to his mom on the cell phone. And then a faceless immortal appears. And he unfro- like he's talking to her while looking at... A poster of himself? That's the same poster the same he's poster. always had. Yes. So I'm like, why are you looking at this like it's something new? You've right. seen this already. He's going <laughs> to stroke a small peen about it. <laughs> so then, yeah, this silhouetted dude appears, and then we get a, like just a shot of the poster on the ground with the wind blowing, and I guess the sound of a quickening. And so who that. died? I don't know. <laughs> I so that seems like a bets. good ending to this episode. Why on earth would there be more? Because this was directed by Peter Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> this needs to have another fucking ending. So we cut to Frodo. Fat Marco's there, and yeah. he introduces the Wheel of Death. Oh, this is the note of now he's dressed like a farmer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, there we go. This explains it. He's dressed like a clown farmer. <laughs> clown clown farmer. farmer. So Amanda hooks herself up to a, a weird wheel spinning wheel. Of death. Of death. And then Mac is going to throw knives at her. So Mac has gone to Moscow with her. And then the episode ends in a freeze frame. He's like, I haven't thrown a knife in public in years. 
How many has he thrown in private? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was last week. Didn't he throw knives in that uh, that other circus episode? He did throw something at that electric box. Oh, yeah, right. wasn't he horse. riding around on the yeah. horse and he yeah. was chucking knives? So he's done this recently. Yeah. Awesome. Maybe a reason this episode takes place in yeah. 1984. <laughs> oh, it takes place before that episode. Mm-hmm. There you go. Could be. Wow. What an ending. <laughs> wow. What yeah. an ending. The freeze ran. Just, oh, Deep. and the music during Oh, it's so is... cheesy. Well, that's the episode. Should we uh, play a game and then recite some thoughts? Let's yeah. do it. Game time. All right, people, we are going to play a little game called Three and Five. That is the game where I will name a category, and you will have five seconds to name me three examples that fall within that category. You will gain one point for each correct answer, two points for getting all three, for a maximum possible of four points. Who wants to go first? Keith, do you want to go first? I'll go first. All right. We spend a fun day in the circus in this episode. Keith, name me three circuses. Uh, Barnum and Bailey, Ringling Brothers, and Cirque du Soleil. Wow. Well hey. done. That was good. This episode has, Eamon, the Immortal Cimole. Mamma Can you name me three famous magicians? Harry Houdini, David Copperfield, uh, Chris Angel. The Mind Freak? The Mind Freak. <laughs> I'm not sure if he's a magician. He might just be a Mind Freak. I'm just <laughs> kidding. Just it's bullshit. Freak. Yeah. Uh, what is a mind freak? <laughs> I think he does like that thing where it's like cold. Oh, cold reading. Cold reading of people. Yeah. And like, I don't know, there's like a, a whole trick to it. But he's able to like get you to reveal information and then repeat it back to you. He's able to freak your mind. Oh, yeah. Okay, freak your mind all over your face. Keith, the immortal Chimole goes under Duncan's wing. Can you name me three of Duncan's students? Uh, Richie, uh, Joan Jett, uh, and... Uh, oh, Jean-Philippe. <laughs> All right, I will give that to you. That's also, you didn't say voice. the immortal Chimole. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> uh, Damn it. But that's okay. Eamon, uh, things go a little sideways in this episode, but the immortal Chimole walks away for temporarily from Duncan McCloud. Some were not so lucky, though. Name me three friends that Duncan McCloud has killed. Gabriel Piton. Oh, fuck. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, shit. That's one point. Uh, Felice Martin was the person I couldn't think of. Just Joe Jett. Uh, yeah, it was Joe Jett. I still least. gave it to you, though. Joe Jett. Joe, Joe Jett. Jett. <laughs> he was shaking his uh, head. Keith, you did such a good job naming circuses. Can you now name me three Highlander episodes in which a circus appears? Ooh. Oh, uh, Lady of the Tiger, uh, 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 Amartya Tremole, and oh, uh, The Watcher. No, Hunters. Nope. Hunters? Hunters? Nope. Hunters? Go with the Hunters. Do you think of counterfeit? That's ah, counterfeit. That's uh, the one. Right. It's like Richie's being chased at the circus. That was the one where I was like trying to tease the white supremacist thing. Right. <laughs> Two <laughs> points. Eamon, we get to see Mac do a lot of performing throughout various Highlander episodes. Can you name me three circus tricks we've seen Mac perform? Ooh, uh, knife throwing, horseback riding. There's another one in this episode. Oh, shit. Uh, uh, escape artist. I don't think you snuck it in no, in time. I didn't. But <laughs> Damn it. You will get those two points. Not too shabby. Two points. Basketball. So it is currently Keith stands at 10 with Eamon at 7. It's still anybody's game. Oh. How many rounds are left? Two more. Whoa. Two more. Keith, in this episode, we get to see uh, 
the, the Immortal Chamoli begins. Name me three episodes in which we see a first death on screen of an immortal. Um, the Darkness. Um, oh, fuck. This is a, that's a good question, and I'm blanking. Ooh. There's a big one. Like the Immortal Chamoli. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and your favorite episode. It's my favorite episode. Avenging Angel. Avenging Angel, right of passage. Oh, Avenging Angel, yeah, right of passage with the nip slip. Mm, that nip slip. Eamon, we get a, a few special guest stars in this episode, but can you name me three episodes with Amanda? Oh, uh, Lady in the Tiger, Re- uh, Return of Amanda, and the Immortal Shimoli. Shimoli. <laughs> 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 All right, we're going to let you sneak that one in there. All right, this round is for all the marbles. Keith, you have 11 points. Mm-hmm. Eamon, you have 11 points. Oh, my God. Dum, bum, bum. So normally, this is the part where I'd ask you to name congressmen and shit. I'm not going to do that this time. <laughs> oh, good. I was actually waiting for a, with all the clowns in this episode. <laughs> what do you think about <laughs> these clowns in Washington? Yeah. Keith. Yes? Name me three episodes with great car hits. Ooh. Oh, um... Michael Christian. What's that one? Damn it. <laughs> oh, son of a bitch. I've, I've lost already. I got nothing. I just said Michael Christian. What is the name of that episode? Michael Christian. <laughs> Michael Christian. Oh, what is that called? For uh, for who we serve. And we also serve. We also, we serve, also serve is the name of that episode. This one I, I also would have accepted. About 18 dead, seconds too late. Yeah. Deadly Medicine would have also been a very fine choice. Oh, Mac and Sid. Mm, going, to town. Town. <laughs> going to Cookie Town. Going to Cookie Town. Unfortunately, though... Zero points on that All one. All right, well. Eamon, our other favorite method of dispatch, name me three episodes with great dummy falls. Oh, shit. Um, the the oh, counterfeit part oh, two? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, free I, fall. <laughs> All right. Does that have I, a dummy I, fall? I was not sure about counterfeit. I'm going to give you free fall just so we don't have a tie. <laughs> so, Eamon... With a score of 12 to 11. All right. You are the winner. By default. Take that, Keith. (laughs) I don't think by default. You won. I won. You won. I won. Hell of a job. What's the one where, is that the the Watchers where he pulls his daughter's boyfriend out of the window? It must be. I think it is the the Watchers. watchers. Hmm. So, guys, before we give our final thoughts on this episode, we have some Watcher Chronicles to talk about. Yay! So, we'll start with the villain of the show, Damon Case. He was born in 961 in Exeter, England. Mm. His first death was in 1068. His head Exeters his body after this one. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) There must be a typo, right? He was born in 961, but his first death was in 1068? Making him 107 years old? (laughs) That that can't be right. That's not right. Well, that's what the Watcher Chronicles says. He looks pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe he secretly died once before that and just hadn't noticed. He just thought he was aging gracefully. Yeah, that's right. Uh, So he died in a battle against the Norman invasion of Exeter. His first teacher was Leofric, the Bishop of Exeter. Uh, Original cultural affiliation, English, recent recent base of operations, no fixed location. Occupation, so, Crusader. Still? Still? Wow. Weird. I guess maybe he just doesn't have a job. Yeah. yeah. He's a, a, that sounds better than bum. A layabout. Yeah. So wait, 
What is his theory? What's his teacher's name again? Leofric. Leofric, the Bishop of Exeter. Does he just think Leofric, the Bishop of Exeter, is a fucking stooge? Like, you really should have killed me, bro, in ritual combat, and you really screwed the pooch by not doing that. Yeah. Like, how in his world does anyone ever have a teacher? I don't know. You don't? Cases. Maybe his teacher tried to kill him. Ooh, maybe maybe. that's it. Mm. All right, let's read his chronicle. The basic nature of an immortal is molded first by his mortal upbringing, then by the model of his first teacher. Damon Case was brought up to be a staunchy moral man by the God-fearing parents who found him. However... Staunchy? Staunchly moral man. Oh, okay. (laughs) Staunchy. (laughs) I'm having trouble reading, all right? What did I say? Was it last week or today? Dingy? Dingy. Dingy. Oh, God damn it. However, his religious obsession was a gift from his teacher, Leofric, at the time Bishop of Exeter. Leofric instilled in Case his awe and fear of the game. But where Leofric had found purpose in his own life, in his calling to the church, the recently immortal Case could find no purpose in his own. Why had this happened to him? In time, Case created his own purpose. In a way, found his own holy calling to the game. The game became his only companion, his only lover, his only pleasure. Ooh, hot. He believes it is God's will that he kill his immortal brothers, but he's not arrogant enough to believe that he'll be the one standing at the end of the game. Someday he will lose, and he believes that it is God's will as well. Huh. Huh. God's will as well. God's will as well. Oh, my God. (laughs) Interesting. Didn't really get that vibe from him in this one. No. All right, so we also have a chronicle for Danny Chimole. I guess it's a short entry. Uh, Known aliases, the immortal Chimole. Perfect. Born in 1968, London, England. First death, 1996, hit by a truck. First teacher, Duncan McLeod. Original cultural affiliation, English. Jesus, this is boring. Uh, recent base of operations, Las Vegas. Occupation, circus mu- mu- musician. Circus magician. <laughs> He's not in the circus in Las Vegas. Yeah, right. So it's not his most recent occupation. But anyway, go ahead. And then deceased, 1996. Oh. So this fucking spoils the ending to the episode. So here's his chronicle. Can it really be considered immortality if you die only a few months after you should have? Oh. Danny Chimole lived his eternal life just long enough to fulfill his dream of headlining the vegas stage that's more than most of us get i suppose most of us don't get a second chance a two-minute warning if you will to fulfill our dreams to tell our loved ones one last time that we love them to get our emotional affairs in order this is really dark i think it takes a brave man to do what danny did to be offered the chance to live forever but with restrictions give up your dreams keep a low profile leave behind your family and your friends and turn it down he stayed true to himself and his dream until the end, which is more than I can say for most of us. What? This really paints him in a different light. Yeah. He's a real go-getter in this. Yeah. He just pursues his dreams. Murder and mother be damned. He's also, like, at the end, he's not a good magician. No, he's right. just a mortal. He's a hack that just can do a thing. Like, yeah. Bullshit. Or Bullshit. have a thing done Bullshit. to him. He can't even do it. It's a thing is talent. done to him. Yeah. Immortal he's a good a talentless uh, hack. He's a good administrator. <laughs> so those are the Watcher Chronicles. Oh. Well, there's more. There is one more. How is there one more? So we have oh, one more. For Vrej Ratuvusian. Who's that, you might ask? Oh, is that the guy that kills him in the parking That's lot? That's the guy that kills him in the parking oh. lot. Holy so also in the special features, they have that fight filmed. Yeah. And they decided it would be better to cut the fight. It's super short. But they're like, oh, it'll be better if we don't really see what happens. But anyway, they wrote a chronicle for this fucking guy. So, known alias is The Amazing Elvis. Wait, what? 
The Amazing Elvis. They talk about that on Special Features, too. Yeah. Uh, born in 1582. First death, 1638. Felled by a falling tree. Felled by a falling tree? Not the best way to put it. The tree was... by a felling tree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. First teacher, Igor Pasternak. Original cultural affiliation, white Russian. It's a oh, drink. It's a, it's a drink, yeah. Recent base of operations, Las Vegas. Occupation, <laughs> Elvis impersonator. This, did they use that distinction back then? I don't like, know. During like the Russian Civil War, there was like white Russia and like red Russia for like communist Russia. Interesting. I don't know. Weird. Huh. Anyway. Maybe it's just a cocktail. Yeah. So his, uh, yeah. his chronicle reads, Vrij, I guess that's how you say it, just notched his 1,000th, I can't even say the word, 1,000th performance at the Taj Mahal Club on the Vegas Strip last night. To mark the occasion, he's taking a week off starting Monday and going to Graceland. Again, I am more sick of that place than you can possibly imagine. But to Vrij, it's Mecca. So off we go again. What is this, 14, 15 times now? After what the, sh- the fuck is this character? <laughs> After the show, the owner of the Blue Suede Chapel, which is just behind Luxor, approached him again about taking over the late shift for the drive through weddings. Apparently, they're an Elvis short and can get Vrij obtained in a day or two. Vrej keeps turning him down, says it's tawdry disrespect of the king's sacred image. Me, I think I'd find it harder to figure out where to draw that line. What the fuck? Isn't that insane? That's bonkers. So their <laughs> vision of this character is that he's an Elvis impersonator? Apparently Donaletto said she always kind of imagined that this guy would be an Elvis impersonator since he was in Vegas. Why wasn't he just there to, like, go see legal hookers or something? Like, <laughs> why did he have to be there to be a performer? Can he do both? Yeah. Like, he's just in town for a bachelor party. So, guys, what do we think of the murder, a murder, a murder chimone? The immortal chimole. What do we think? I like it. Yeah, I me too. I like this episode. It's got some weird things I don't particularly care for, like the kaleidoscope vision that appears from, from time to time. We didn't really talk about that much, but it's an odd visual choice that I'm not on board with. But I think it's got a strong villain. It's got a strong moral question, uh, you know, and it explores it fairly well. Nothing was, like, half-assed for the most part in this episode, except for maybe the, the car crash. Uh, <laughs> like, all the... Half all, a star gone for that car yeah, crash. Like, all the sets are awesome. The flashbacks are really good. It has that moral question that we've kind of been lacking in the last few episodes. Mm-hmm. Good quickening. Great villain. Villain in quotes. Yeah. I, I really like this episode. I'm comfortable saying villain. Yeah. I like, I like this one a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and... <laughs> What do, what do you, you think, Keith? Yeah, I, I like a lot of parts in this episode. Part of me doesn't think Amanda should be in this episode. She's I'm an just odd like, what do you for the action here? Like, it's I think just because it's like a circusy episode, but like I just don't feel like she does much. Like, it's like a weird—I don't say waste, but I like I think she's designed to be a foil to Mac giving a shit and just being like, she because her she's pushing to just like let Case get him essentially, and I guess it's just so we can have those conversations. But I don't feel like Mac ever makes an argument to her that we don't also see him make essentially directly to Case. Yeah. So I could see it being useful, but it just doesn't land. Yeah. It's another Richie-less episode. Yeah. Like, when was the last time we saw Richie? It's been, it feels like ages. It's probably only been a couple episodes, but over the course of our recordings, I feel like it's been months since we've yeah. seen Richie in an episode. It is. Well, also, like, the Amanda parts just seem kind of tacked on. Like, we get this weird circus subplot with her, which, who cares? <laughs> yeah, right. And the weird ending. <laughs> to the episode which i didn't like even though i yeah. guess it was supposed to be funny it yeah. wasn't though <laughs> it wasn't and so I why was, don't we uh, i was sitting there thinking like oh is the next episode maybe gonna be set in moscow is that why they did this that would did be it good do work oh. no yeah no yeah. wrong that would have been good 
So why don't we talk about the morality of Damon Case? I feel like we've covered it. No, okay, more, so uh, let's just leave. Oh, I just kind of feel like he's maybe presenting himself differently than he actually am. Actually am? He actually, actually am. I am what I am. What I am. <laughs> he eats that spinach. That's how he beat Jean-Philippe. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I love the actor. That I, like His performance was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's mostly, I think... What drew me to him? The cool, like, praying that was some, like, cool imagery. He seems like a really fleshed out character. I don't know if I completely buy his stance. Right. It made for a good episode of Highlander. Mm. Just a completely random, like, thought. Can, like, if it's true that they are required to, like, required to kill each other, like, this is a thing, can you actually make a moral decision on something you have to do? Like, if there's, a presupposition that you must do something. Like when you're left, like, well, I guess that's the, that's well, the that, illusion. The is he says he doesn't have a choice, but yeah. he does have a choice. Yeah. The moral supposition is when you assign what your duties are. Like, I agree that once you've decided something is a duty, the individual enactment of that duty is perhaps not the moral choice, but you set, we each set the parameters of what we consider our duty to be. Right. It's just that we've essentially pre-made certain moral decisions. Even that, I'm not, as I say that, I'm not a thousand percent. But like, I guess I'm thinking of it like in the sense that like if he's compelled, like if they're in some weird physical way compelled to fight. Does it cease to be a moral decision? Like, for instance, like, I'm trying to think of something that would be, like, we're compelled to do. Like, I have to eat. Is eating a moral decision? Like, I don't consider sustaining myself a moral decision, necessarily. Like, it's something I have to do. Right. And other actions. I mean, you can take any sort of, like, bodily action, I suppose, and just be like, you have to do it. Like, it's, there's no, there's, I guess I'm saying it's, like, void of morality. But then you get into, like, oh, but what are you eating? Right, but that's a different, or maybe that's similar to what this is. Like he has to kill, but is the then you can choose who you kill, right? Which right. I think is similar to what I was saying at the beginning of the episode. That like I guess if you have have to have your druthers, maybe kill the bad guys first. What do you think yeah, but in a world in which you're compelled to kill other immortals, does the morality of the ultimate victor matter? Because whatever it is is ordained. Like you're doing your holy duty to participate in these fights like you're following the effectively the ordained script of this whole thing like if someone evil wins it's because they're meant to win like we've all done our duty and this is the inevitable outcome or maybe not yeah i don't know if that means that the outcome is ordained it's just that the thing's gonna the fighting is gonna happen well if the preliminary actions are gonna happen then isn't the result like if that's effectively compulsory isn't the result also compulsory if you have all these parts and you know what the parts are and they're moving inexorably toward a finale no i don't i think it's different just because i think yeah i don't know just because one's compelled to fight the other person doesn't mean like the individual components of that are at play like in the outcome well if all immortals are following this path that all immortals who encounter will fight I don't know. Maybe we're I mean, not. I guess I'm thinking like, like imagine like two animals or something that come like two predatory or territorial animals that come across each other in the forest or something like they might fight because that's what like their genetics in some ways have like programmed them to do. Like mm-hmm. I have to be territorial, but like just the fact that those two things meet doesn't mean that one is ordained to win over the other. But the conflict is like in some way there. I don't know. Again, I was just kind of ran- throwing uh, a random thought out there about like, if it is required that he does that, is that a moral choice anymore? Yeah. Well, 
I just in general, he's a bad guy. I don't agree with what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's for sure the wrong thing to do. Well, like I'm right. very, I think it's interesting. Like it's compelling, but it's bad. Like it's one of those things that's interesting and it's intriguing, and I can see how it would be seductive. But I think we are all right to always have their our hackles up whenever someone indicates that they don't have moral agency or tries to argue that morality has no place in the individual decisions they're making. Right. Like whenever those arguments appear, I think. You know, sure. good people should be skeptical. Oh yeah, right. But it is compelling. It's interesting. No, he's a cool villain. I yeah. like. I like this as a motivation for him. And like yeah. you said, Eamon, like all the praying stances and shit. Mm-hmm. Like that's awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a, he's a fleshed out character. There's not like weird random shit that's just like tacked onto him to like make him seem cool. Yeah, and he's not like a Kurgan clone. He's not like right. the tenth Kurgan clone we see. Right. He's not over the top. This is probably the most muted villain we ever encounter. Yeah, no, they they wrote a good villain and cast a great actor. Yeah, in this yeah. part he's a highlight for me. Mm. It's a big, this is a winner. Yeah. I'm into it. Absolutely, Kyle. Let's rate it. How many rubber chickens would you give this episode? I give this three point five rubber chickens. You know, and I think that with some minor fixes, this could go as high as a four point five. You mm. know, it makes a bunch of weird visual choices that I'm not on board with. There's this whole circus thing at the end. Amanda feels a little out of place. But the bones of this are so strong. The actors are good. They're interesting moral decisions to, you know, sink your teeth into. And we get some good sword fights. I call this a winner. Eamon, how many new tricks will you give this bad boy? Oh, new tricks. Come, guys. Come play my new trick. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to give this, uh, I think three and a half is the way to go. I think that's the way to go with this. It's not a four. But it's pretty darn close. I didn't really like Danny's mom that much. Oh, wow, really? She took me out of the episode a little <laughs> bit, too. Well, it's also odd that, like, she's got this... They're in France. She has a super thick Italian accent. Yeah. And he has a really thick English, English accent. Yeah. And it's yeah. very confusing. I don't understand why any of that needed to be... Did they just really like the name Chimoli? And we're like, well, that's Italian. Yeah, yeah. that's got to stick. I mean, there, like, there's a bunch of little things that I think takes it down from a four, but... This is a really good episode. Like, I really liked it. Yeah. yeah. Keith, how many Wheels of Death would you give this episode? Ooh, I'm going to give it three and a half wheels as well. Oh, unanimous. Trend unanimous. setter. I love the co- the concept of the episode is good. Like, even Danny's plot is, like, mm-hmm. a fun one. Like, oh, an immortal that, like, is taking advantage of... His gifts. His gifts. In some ways, I'm a little conflicted about how I feel about Danny, because I think he goes through some weird phases in the episode. Like, he's, he's kind of... Symp- early on. Yeah, he's, he's like, like, pretty sympathetic. Like, he's, like, trying to make his dreams come true. His mom's like, get a real job. It's like, oh, like, bummer. And then he, like, shows concern for Mac right away. He's like, oh, but if you go and take this... Like, I'd hate if something happened to you. And he, like, calls the police. But then he, like, just becomes a real dickhead... Obviously, yeah. he tries to kill Mac, and he's like, all he cares about is fame. Uh, and I don't know, maybe if we just got to see more of that transformation about, like, how did he get embittered and decide to, like, kill Mac? Like, maybe if maybe another immortal, like, I don't know if there was some instance where he realized that, like, I, I have to play the game differently. Or, spitballing here, we've been talking about how there is, like, an almost unspoken way in which Mac participates in the same kind of thinking that case does like he's a little more selective maybe but there is like some kind of tacit agreement on this like i would have enjoyed a confrontation between the two of them about that where maybe danny's like you're just like him like you know you're making an exception for me right now yeah but like one day if what you're saying is true one day you'll turn on me like maybe and honestly like well amanda again is kind of like yeah miss i shouldn't say misused she's just in this episode and I don't like it's not a super funny episode. She's not lending a bunch of 
comedy to the episode, which is usually something she does. Like, this might be a better episode for Mythos, because Mythos can be a good foil to, like, who cares about the rule? Like, who cares about defending the weak? Mm -hmm. He seems like more the guy that would argue that way to Mac, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it's a great episode. It somehow doesn't stick out in the season that much, like, because it doesn't have a lot of, like, the grand plot going on. Mm -hmm. But it's a great standalone episode. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be cool to see more Damon. Damon Case, again, like you said, Eamon, is, like, a very fleshed out character for especially just one episode. Good stuff. So 3.5 for me. And that about does it this week. So head on over to the Facebook, hit the like button, grab some magnets stocking stuffers make sure to go on to itunes and give us a five star review five whole stars that's right and that helps spread the word and get more people listening and learning about highlander join us next week when we're going to be covering season four episode 18 through a glass darkly i've been one of your rewatchers i'm keith this is kyle this is Zane. Bye. bye, bye. So Mac, Mac, but never mind.